Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, and we take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. You can always join us live each Sunday morning at 8.30, 9.45, or 11 a.m. at our Rock Spring, Georgia campus, or at 11 a.m. at our Rossville, Georgia campus, which is just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Well, thank you to our worship team. It's done a great job all day. And thank you for being here. Whether you're online at Rossville or in this room, thank you so much for being here. Acts chapter number 8. Started a sermon series a couple of weeks ago entitled Scattered, Being the Church Without the Church. And I want to kind of take us through what's been happening in the uh, past few weeks and months. Because if you're, not, if you're not really clear on your ecclesiology, you'll get a little confused about what's been going on and what God can do during all this. So I want to talk about it. What, what just happened and what can God do with it? Because we just came through kind of a weird church time. So I think this is a great time for us to sit down and look at what should the church be doing. And so we're going to look at that over the next few weeks as we look at this idea of scattered. And the sermon I want to preach today is called Disrupted. And we'll see it in Acts chapter number 8. And it's all based on this one verse in Acts chapter number 8. Saul agreed with putting him to death. And on that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles, get this, were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. This is not the first time in the church's history that the church has been scattered. We've been scattered before. As a matter of fact, the very first church in Jerusalem was scattered. Well, what's, what's our reaction to that? Well, I, I want to talk about it today. When we start talking about being disrupted in our lives and our church life, what does that mean for the church? So I'm going to tell you some of that today, so just hold your Bibles open. According to Gallup, uh, who did a, a study on what's been going on, they said the most dramatic result in religion has been the exceedingly quick shift of religious services from in-person to online worship. Now, the fact is, for almost, uh, well, for 100 years, the church has used every medium of communication it could use, print and radio and television and online. We've been doing it. But what happened uh, really overnight was the church had to exclusively go to it. As a matter of fact, here's what Gallup said. It's a little bit of an understatement. The halting of in-person worship is one of the most significant sudden disruptions in the practice of religion in U.S. history. Significant and sudden. I mean, that's saying the least. You, you know our story. I think it, if I had my dates right, but if I'm off by a day or two, forgive me. But it was, it was like March 11th on a Friday, I sent around an email that said, hey, we're all having church Sunday. And on March 12th, I sent around a video that said, we're not having church tomorrow except online. And that began on March 13th of us having 13 to 14 weeks of just online services. And so many churches had to do that. Some had done it the week before, some did it the week after, but almost every church did it. And that has a disruption to our spiritual lives. I mean, uh, Pew Research asked, how many of you have prayed for an end to the coronavirus during this time? And the majority of people said, yes, let me ask you, how many of you people, how many of you have prayed for the end of coronavirus? If you're in the room, raise your hand. Like if you, what have you been praying for? If you haven't been praying for that, like, I mean, you been praying? I don't know, because we all should have been praying for that. And the majority of people watch services online instead of in person for the first time ever. Now, 
Sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. So Time Magazine did a study about driving church. Some of you probably will wonder, well, why didn't we do driving church? I saw churches doing it. It was, just wasn't uh, physically or economically feasible for us, for us to go outside and build a big stage and, and be able to put it on and uh, have it protected by the weather, which it just would have cost more money. And then it would not have been as a good of experience as what we were having online. And all of that, we, we don't have a place to park everybody. It, like we can't, it just was not going to work for us. And so we went to online services. And that's affected some more than others. As a matter of fact, the same Pew Research said 19% of Americans said their faith is strengthened, and 3% said it got worse. 19% said it strengthened, 3% got worse. I don't know where you are during the disruption, but we had a major, major disruption in the way we do church. Now, what we expect to be church in America has been turned on its head. And I want to say this, and please know I'm saying this with all the kindness in my heart. But we've come to have an expectation about church in America that the Bible doesn't promise and history does not bear out. Hear me. We have an expectation about church in America that the Bible does not promise and history does not bear out. So what are you saying, preacher? Well, historically, we've never had it as good as what we've had it in the last hundred years in America. About the last hundred years in America, give or take, is the way we kind of settled into a church pattern that we're into right now. And we've been there for about a hundred years. But no, historically, that has not been the case. Historically, the church has had to do all sorts of -of out-of-the-norm things together. Historically, if you look at the history of the church, there have been a lot of house church movements out of necessity. There's been a lot of secret church movements out of necessity. There's been a lot of, because of persecution, there's been a lot of underground church movements out of necessity. As a matter of fact, right now, as we talk right now, there are churches that will meet today around the world that will meet in a basement and they'll sing a hymn or a song in a whisper because they're afraid their neighbors will hear them and turn them in and they'll be arrested arrested, persecuted, or even tortured for the gospel's sake. Can I tell you that historically, that's more the norm than what we're living in right now? Listen listen to me. I love the norm. If you love the norm, say amen. Like, I love the norm, right? Thank God for America. I love our First Amendment. I love our Second Amendment. I love all them their amendments. I love every one of them. I love them all. love them all. I love America. I love America. I do. America may have its flaws, But I challenge you to find a better place. I love America, right? Because I love how they've let us, for over 100 years, have freedom of religion and church the way we do it now. But you have to understand, we're not guaranteed that. We're not guaranteed that. And the first church figured out that freedom to worship in the way you want to worship was not guaranteed. Let me show it to you. Acts chapter 8, if you have your Bibles. And if you don't, um, if you're watching online, you can just look up on the screen. Acts chapter 8 and look at verse number 1. Saul agreed with putting him to death. And on that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women and put them in prison. So those who were scattered went on their way preaching the word. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds were all paying attention to what Philip said as they listened and saw the signs he was performing. 
For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. Great joy in the city. Now, let me set the stage where we are. Acts chapter number 8, the early church has just gotten started and thousands, uh, the church has been growing by leaps and bounds and thousands have been coming to faith in Christ and their impact was in Jerusalem uh, uh, so, like strong. They were growing daily by the thousands. And, and history will tell us, the Bible will tell us that they were, they were in a period where they were having, in one church service, 3,000 people joined the church. In one church service, 5,000 people joined the church. And, and the church was growing just exponentially. It was just incredible that they were adding and then they were multiplying the church. It got to a point the apostles were just like, hey, there's a lot of people here. In all probability, tens of thousands, a minimum of 20,000 people. And man, they're in downtown Jerusalem and things are going so well. And all of a sudden, persecution started. Stephen, we're just told, we just read about it in chapter 7, was the first New Testament martyr who was stoned to death for preaching the gospel. And the Bible says severe persecution broke out. Now, the word severe there in the Greek is the Greek word megas. It's where we get our word mega from. It means great or big. And he says severe, mega violence broke out against the church. Great violence broke out against the church. Unspeakable violence broke out against the church. And tells us in chapter number 8 that the apostles stayed, but everybody else scattered. And that would be thousands of people, thousands of people who no longer worship at what we might call home base or central campus or whatever. And the chief instigator of all that persecution was a man named Saul. Now, here's the interesting thing about Saul. He, he's going to get saved in, like, the next chapter. Like, just in a minute, he's going to get saved. But, and by the way, he's going to write half the New Testament. But right now, that's not him. Right now, here's what the Bible says about him, that he was ravaging the church. Ravaging the church. Now, the word ravaging there in the Greek, it, it's, it's a pretty violent word. It, it's the word that was used of a wild animal tearing apart its prey. He was shredding its prey. He was, he was shredding the church. He was ripping apart the church. He dragged men and women from their homes and from their worship, and he threw them in, in prison. Now, what they experienced in Acts chapter 8 was far worse than what we have experienced in recent days. But because of the persecution of Acts chapter 8 and chapter 7 and so forth, we learn some things about a scattered church. We learn some things that help us that even though we may have scattered for a different reason, it still tells us some things about the scattered church. And I want to tell you, Pevine, we still haven't come back yet. More than half of our audience will still be online today. <clears throat> There'll be hundreds of people <clears throat> who are not here today. And I want to tell you, even if you're watching online, hear me. God designed the church to be here. Can I get an amen right there? God designed the church to be here. It is designed for that fellowship and closeness of being here. But in those extraordinary times when we can't be here, let me tell you a few things we learned from Acts chapter 8. Number one, we learned this, that when the church is disrupted, number one, the church is still the church. And notice what verse number three says. Saul, however, was raging against, say this word with me, say it with me, 
church. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them in prison. Now, hold on just a minute. He says he was raising against the church, but where was he getting them from? House to house. Notice that even when they were scattered and not meeting at home base, God still called the scattered church the church. They were worshiping at home. They were reading their Bibles at home. They were studying at home. They were fellowshiping at home, but they were still the church, even though they were worshiping at home, even though they could not get back to the Jerusalem church because of the persecution. They were still doing the things they should be doing as if they were sitting in the church. They were meeting however they could. They were preaching the gospel. They were still giving and tithing. They were still reaching people. They were still doing ministry to the best of their ability. They were still in the word. They were still praying. We're going to learn later on in a sermon. They were still growing as a church growing. They are scattered, but still growing. All of that happening, all of the things they ought to be doing while they're here, when they're scattered, they're still doing those things, and God still refers to them as a church. They were, they were scattered, but they were still being the church. People, I want to tell you, I, I bragged on you two weeks ago, and I'll, I'll do it again today. You did a great job of doing that too, but listen, when we can't meet together here, we still need to be the church, and I, over the next few sermons, I'll tell you what that exactly means, but if we can't meet for some reason, we can still be the church, and here's what I want you to know, that if we are scattered, it is not spiritual vacation time. That's why even if you watch online, I, when you were watching online, I said, give, give this next 45, 50 minutes, make it holy to the Lord. Why? We're still the church. It's not spiritual vacation. If we are scattered, we're still the church. Even if we aren't in the big house, the church doesn't disappear. The church just scatters to do what God wants the church to do anyway. The, uh, Sherry and I, I'm, I'll talk about this a couple times a day, but you know, Sherry and I, we, we met when we were, uh, I was 16, almost 17. She was 15, almost 16. And uh, she couldn't date until she was 16, which is a great rule. If, you have, if you're parents of kids, uh, that's a great rule. And, uh, you know, my girls came along. I used to think when I was dating her that that's, that's oppressive, 16. Until I had two girls. And they, that seemed incredibly reckless to let a 16-year-old date. Like, what in the world was her father thinking just craziness and and so uh but but we'd go out on a date she got 16 we'd go out on a date and and i seen him do it he'd, he'd set her down and he'd say this before she'd walk out she, he'd say hey i want to tell you two things remember you are a stevens that was her maiden name stevens remember you're a stevens and remember you are a child of god act accordingly well, that throw a damper on any date. I promise you that. <laughs> it's not really what a 17-year-old boy is wanting to hear, right? Like, okay, fine. That was her dad's way of saying, do what you ought to do as if you were still in the house. And what God's trying to tell us is that even if we're scattered, the church is still the church. And listen, church, hey, can I just be honest with you? This, this world is messed up. I don't even need an amen there because it's true. We could have, this is COVID-19. We could have COVID-20, 21, 22. As a matter of fact, the world's so messed up, I'd, I don't even want to predict what the next crazy thing may be to happen. 
But that's, that's not an excuse to act a fool. That's an excuse to buckle down on your walk with God and be the church, even if we don't have the church on Sunday mornings. Listen, if you came through the lockdown and you aren't closer to the Lord than before the lockdown, you did it wrong. Because the majority of people in America had more time than they ever had on their hands. You say, well, I didn't, I didn't get any pressure from work. No, a time off from work. No, you may not have. A lot of us didn't. But you aren't carrying kids to ball games. You aren't dragging them around the world. You aren't, you aren't having to travel for work and all that stuff we did before. And listen, we had a great opportunity to dig, dig in and be the church. A great opportunity to dig in and get committed to reading our Bibles and get committed to prayer and get closer to God. Because here's what God would say to you this morning. Even if you could not meet here, you are still the church wherever you are. Yeah, may have been disrupted, but the church is still the church. Let me show you the second thing God told us. Number two, the mission is still the mission. Look at verse number four. And those, and I really get the context here, those who were scattered, the scattered ones now, the staff is still at central, but those who were scattered went on their way preaching the word. Now get this, the apostles had to stay where they were, central location. We'll call that the staff. The staff had to stay at the church and everybody else had to go. Now, does that sound familiar or what? So the staff stayed and the church went. And what did the church do when it went? They went everywhere preaching the word, preaching the gospel. Guess what the scattered church did? They kept the mission, the mission. And even though they didn't have a central location, they went everywhere preaching the gospel. Instead of relying on the apostles to get all the word out the church did it and even though they could not gather corporately in jerusalem they had caught the vision of what god wanted them to do what god wanted and by the way the bible is very plain i don't have to put a bunch of bible verses up today because you, you read them yourself the bible is very plain that it's god's will for all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth all men to be saved and so the church knew that was their mission. And so the scattered ones went everywhere preaching the word. Theologians tell us that in all probability, God sent the persecution on purpose because they'd gotten too comfortable where they were. Like, you think it's fun to come to Peavine? Man, was it fun to go to the first church in Jerusalem. They had church every day, tens of thousands of people, 20,000 at a minimum, coming to church every week, if not every day. And man, the worship was off the chain and the preaching was off the chain. I'll tell you how good a worship service it was. Just a couple chapters ago, Two people at two different times lied to God about their offering in the worship service and they dropped dead in the worship service. And they had Jimmy Sperling uh, declare them dead. <laughs> Our newly elected coroner here in Catusa and Jimmy declared them dead and they stopped. The, no, they, they, listen, here's how good it was. Somebody said, you can see the deacons meeting over in the corner. Uh, do we call church off now? And somebody's like, no, man, the worship's too good. Just carry them out and bury them. Let's get back up there and sing another song. And like, all right, let's do it. And that's what they did. 
That's literally what they did. They just, the church service was so good, people dying in the service didn't even slow them down at all. Matter of fact, it made the offering time very interesting going forward. They didn't want to scatter. They wanted to be right there in fellowship together. And God said, all right, I can't get you to do it this way. Let let me do something else. And God sent persecution. And the scattered ones got the message out and let the message do what the message does. Do you know what the message of the gospel does? It saves those who are far from God. Can I tell you something, church? If you'll turn the message loose, the message will do the work because the message is the mission. Too many people thought the church was dead because we couldn't meet in person for a few weeks. And if you thought that, you completely misunderstood the power of the gospel and what God wanted us to be doing. A few weeks ago when those tornadoes came through our area, uh, they were coming to our, like, towards our direction there at one point where we live. And, and um, so uh, we, we got everybody up and we went down to our basement. We got a little storm area down in our basement and uh, I snapped this photo the electricity went out I think it was around 1 a.m. and the electricity went out and I just thought I'd snap a photo I don't know why but I found this photo and you can see Josh in the hoodie and Michaela in the back and Cherry's over here somewhere and Jax is in there somewhere and and this is about the time electricity had gone out and so uh, the minute electricity went out we just begin to cry and wail and lament and we start talking about the good old days when the world used to have electricity. Because, you know, electricity had died. It was out everywhere in the whole world. It was out. So we'd sit around. We'd talk about, hey, you remember that we used to have air conditioning. You remember those days? And we'd turn it on and get cooler. And remember when you used to cook indoors and we'd have electricity and we could put something in an oven? You, you remember those were the good old days. No, we didn't do that. Because I knew Georgia Power wasn't dead just because the lights were out in my spot. When you, turn the, when you turn the lights off in your house, you don't cry because electricity is gone forever. It's just out in the room. Some of us that when, when the lights went out here, we thought God was dead. We were huddled in the dark. And it was huddling in the dark in here without you. I promise it was, but... God wasn't dead. He still had a mission. And what was better than lamenting what we couldn't do was to figure out how we could fulfill the mission of God that he's given us at Peavine. And here's our mission, to reach every person in Peavine City with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, we firmly believe that God has called us to that mission. And so if that's the mission, God knows exactly what's going on. And so the question to ask ourselves is this. If God is going to scatter us, and by the way, he wasn't shocked. On March 12th, God wasn't up in heaven going, I don't know, man, what are we going to do? Angels, Gabriel, got any ideas? We got to figure something out. No, God knew it was going to happen. And when we were scattered, here would have been God's message to you. Don't worry about anything, but don't get distracted. Keep the mission the mission. Tell people about Jesus. Invite them to church, whether it's a stream. Can we tell you this? We've heard story after story after story of people who said something like this. 
hey, I had somebody, I really wanted them to come to church, and I could never get them to come to church, and I invited them for years, but when all this happened, you know, people got a lot of anxiety, and I sent them the link to the live stream, and then you know what the end of that was? They watched the service they've been watching, may even be watching today, and they've trusted Christ as Savior and texted in that they got saved. May have never, ever attended a worship service, may have died and gone to hell, had God not scattered us. We've had family tell us, Hey, we've got family that lives out of state, and, and they couldn't come to church here, but they, w- w- they weren't going to church there. When this happened, I sent them the link, and they got saved. I mean, we, 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 we had somebody from California who, who found us online. We, I don't know how she found us. She found us online and got saved. We called, she texted in. We called her and got her connected to a church in her local community. That stuff doesn't happen. Those are souls that would have died and gone to hell had we not been scattered. Listen, don't get the idea the church has died. Just get the idea that God is doing something great to mobilize the church, and I just need to figure it out and figure out what God wants me to do and get busy doing what God wants me to do. You know what? I mean, the Bible's an amazing book. The Jerusalem church could have walked around pouting because they couldn't get to the building. But do you know what happened in verse number 1? They're scattered, persecution, people dying by verse number four. They've already started revival in other places by keeping the main thing, the main thing, by keeping the message, what the message is, and the message, the mission, keeping the mission, what the mission is, and the mission is this. Every person in Peavine City needs to hear the gospel of Jesus. You know what God has done? God has taken our 20-mile radius and made it as big as the world because the church is still the church and the mission is still the mission. Let me show you the third thing we learned from this disrupted time. Number three, God is still God. Look look at verse number five. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds were all paying attention to what Philip said as they listened and saw the things he was performing. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was a great joy in that city. Now, Philip, who we're going to look at next week, by the way, in a little more detail, was performing signs, casting out demons, healing the lame, the paralyzed world. I mean, great things that happened. In other words, the same God that was getting it done while they were meeting is the same God that's getting it done when they are scattered. God didn't die. He didn't even catch coronavirus. He didn't lose his power when the church lost its building. Close your Bibles and I'm finished. Can I say this, church? We need the building. Can I get an amen right there? Like We like to gather. Can you say amen to that? We, we want to gather. If you're online, we want you back. God designed this as a gathering place. We need the fellowship. Like we need, like I'm almost tired of elbows and fist bumps. Like we need the fellowship. Sometimes you come to church because you need a hug. And we need the worship and we need the preaching, and we need the giving, and we need the discipleship. We need all of that. Every bit of that's vital to his kingdom and his mission. Christians aren't meant to be lone rangers. We are meant to do it, the Christian life, together. That's the way it's meant to be done. But here's what I want you to know. In those extraordinary times when it can't be done exactly the way it's intended to be done, for that, for that moment in time, we're getting back to the way it's supposed to be done. Like We're headed there. Like we're moving that direction. But when we're not there yet, God is still God. 
He can still do miracles and save and work and heal and restore and invite and convict and lead and do all the things God does. I love this statement. God works out of the box the same way he does in the box. God is just God. That's it. That's it. Let me talk about Sherry and I one more time. Our kids make a little fun of us because uh, we've been best friends since the day we met. Like when, when I say that, when I say I, it was love at first sight, a little two weeks after I met Sherry, she was 15 years old. I told her in ShopRite grocery store I was going to marry her. And like we were best friends immediately, immediately. Like we went from not even knowing each other to talking on the phone every day of our lives. And there's nobody I'd rather be with than her. Literally no one I'd rather be with. Most of our married life We've both had jobs where we could talk multiple times a day during the day while we're at work. When I say multiple times a day, I mean like 10 times a day. Our kids make fun of us. They're like, they bought us these bracelets because I travel. They brought us these bracelets, these love tap bracelets that when I tap mine, hers vibrates. But uh, I don't have them on now because I hadn't left her. I've been kind of stuck by her side for the last three months. And so she may need some alone time. I don't know, but it's been great. I, I, I like it. And so... When we're sitting at home, we are sitting together. We'll hold hands. We have two recliners in our bedroom. We'll hold hands a lot of times, talking nonstop, loving life. But, you know, before all this, I traveled all the time. And if I traveled, that didn't stop. I FaceTimed her, called her, texted her, communicated all of the time. And did you know this? We may talk more when we're together, but not by much. We may talk more when we're apart. Either way, we're married and in love, and whether we're together or apart, we get the job done. Now, can I say this? Can I say this? Take that thought. Take that thought. God works that way with the church. Can I say this with Sherry? Let me go back to that. It's better together. I like together. But we can get it done apart. We can stay close apart. And, and with God, it's better together. Say amen one more time. It's better together. If you're home, say amen. If you're Rossville, say amen. It's better together. But God can get it done while we're apart because God is still God. Anything you need God to do in a church service, God can do right where you are. The question is never, can God work in this situation? The question always is, will you let God work through you and in you in this situation? Because the church is still the church, the mission is still the mission, and God is still God. If you're watching online, don't go anywhere, hang with me, but let's stand up here in the building, bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, it is as simple as ABC. You may be watching online. If you don't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, that means your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home. Christians should never have an, a, a, a natural fear of death. None of us want to die. I don't want to die. You don't want to die. None of us should because we know where our final destination is. But if you don't know where yours is, you can know today, and it's as simple as ABC. A, admit that you're a sinner and you can't save yourself. You can't be good enough to go to heaven. You can't earn it. You can't pay for it. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. B, you've got to believe Christ died on the cross for your sin and rose again the third day. And C, that's the gospel. C, you have to confess him as the Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whether you're at Rossville, Rock Spring, or online, you can be saved right now. 
And I want to help you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you, but the intent of your heart is to trust Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. So our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you know how to pray and God's been convicting your heart. You, you take off and pray right now to be saved. But most people need some help. So you can say a prayer, something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I know that Christ died on the cross for my sin and rose again the third day. And just now I invite Christ into my life to forgive me of my sin, to save me, and to give me a home in heaven. Right now I trust Jesus and Jesus alone. Hayden, wherever you are, if you just prayed that prayer, listen, you are born again. It's not the prayer that saves you, but the intent of your heart is to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you did that, look right this way. I want you to put, take out your phone sometime today and text the word I did to 97,000. The phone number is 97000. Text I did all, all one word. And um, uh, we're going to send you a booklet that tells you the next steps to take in the Christian life. People are doing that every week. And we'll send you next steps to take in the Christian life, and we'll get that out to you immediately. So, if you're a Christian, hang on. If you're online, wherever you are, hang on for just a minute. In the room, hang on. Here, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray and we'll be dismissed. Service will be over. But I want to talk to Christians before we uh, exit. So Christians, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Everybody, just bow your head. Home here. Some of you got all bent out of shape when we couldn't gather as if God was dead and as if there was no mission. Look, I didn't like not gathering either. Like, I hated it. I still, I still don't like, I still don't like us being 50% back. I want us to be 110% back. I, I'm still wanting that. But here's what I know. Instead of me complaining about what we don't have, maybe I ought to start getting busy with what I do have. And what I do have is a mission from God to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of us got so distracted because we couldn't have church, we forgot there are people around us dying and going to hell. And maybe today you want to recommit yourself to that. Some of you are here and online in the room and you let your spiritual life slide. When you could have been closer to God, you actually went the other direction. Now's a good time to reverse that. Some of you have been rocked and racked and ruled by fear. Hey, the Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Perfect love casts out all fear. Christians should never be dominated by fear. Some of you, uh, you've let the enemy sneak into your life and overpower the presence of God in your life and you are ruled by fear. Fear. Oh, I don't know to be that way. Some of you have crippled your Christian life with fear. Now's a good time to say, Lord, no, no, no more, no more. So let me pray for you. Father, we love you. Thankful that you're still God and even when we're disrupted, even when we're scattered. Thankful that you're still God, and I'm not. I'd make a mess out of this thing, but you're in control. Thank you that you still save, you still heal, you still work in our hearts and lives, you still lead, you still speak to us, you still restore marriages and homes. All that work is being done, even when we're disrupted and scattered. So do it today, Lord. There are people who lost sight of the mission. Give them the mission with power again. There are people who let their Christian life slide. Let us go back 
full force into the Christian life. And there are people who, whose lives are dominated by fear. Uh, let us get the enemy out of our lives. Let the Spirit of God dominate our lives. Make us a stronger and a better church because of the disruption than we were before. And Jesus, we'll give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Because it's in your name we ask. Amen. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. For more information about Peavine or to get in touch with us, please visit our website, peavine.org. Thanks for listening.